Let's read from Ephesians 4:17 5 through 5:2. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is due, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that is, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are, were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Thank you, Chua. So every February at River Life, we, uh, we, we take on a, a month worth long of talking about relationships. Or, or it's our annual relationship series. And this week, we continue in our second week of our relationship series called Married Friends. Now, this morning, we're going to explore the one thing that you could do to be a good friend or a bad friend, specifically in your marriage, but this is relevant to all relationships. And so... This morning, I am speaking primarily to married uh, my audience, uh, an audience who's, uh, who's in, in a marriage, but again, this is relevant to all your relationships. It could, it could work if you're in a dating relationship, if you're engaged, if you have friends, if, if it's your kids, if it's your nieces, whatever it may be, these, these, dyna- these dynamics are all relevant. And so when it comes down to it, how do you know that you are a good friend or how do you know that you have a good friend? What are some of the things that you look for? How do you determine if a friend's not a good friend? What if they're a bad friend? What are the things you're looking for to differentiate the difference between good friends and bad friends? Sometimes it can just simply help by examining friendships that we see so that they might inspire us to sift through our own friendships or if we are a good friend or not. And so when I think of a good friend, immediately I think about Elsa and Anna from Frozen. Anna just simply loves Elsa for who she is. It doesn't matter if she causes blizzards, if she sends her town into an eternal winter. All Anna wants to do with Elsa is to build a snowman. It isn't what Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunn have from Dumb and Dumber. 
Harry helps drive Lloyd from Rhode Island to Colorado. Supposedly a trip that you could make in 700 miles, but it took him 2,000 miles because they took the wrong turn. Harry drives Lloyd so he can connect, so they can connect with Lloyd's love interest, but Lloyd's lack of courage, Lloyd's jealousy causes him to take it out on his best friend by spiking his drink with a laxative. Terrible. Just a terrible friend. But it is what Brian O'Connor and Dominic Toretto have from The Fast and the Furious. A willingness to protect each other no matter what the situation is even if it lands you in prison. They have more than a friendship. They have family. While I'd love to see uh, friends, my friends come racing to meet or my rescue in their fancy sports car, it really doesn't take a lot for us to experience stable and happy marriages in, re- in, in our relationships. Based on scientific research by John Gottman, a psychologist who has done much research on marriage and divorce, he has found the one thing you can do to experience stable and happy relationships. Now, Gottman has, call, uh, has a concept called the magic relationship ratio. He determined that this one thing separates healthy and unthe- unhealthy marriages. And the, the thing that makes it different is this, that for every one negative interaction, uh, a stable and a happy marriage needs to have five or more positive interactions. Again, the one thing he's found is that for every one negative interaction, a stable and a happy marriage needs to have five or more positive interactions. And so the magic ratio that Gottman has found is that, again, it's a five to one um, ratio. Five positive interactions to one negative interaction. Unhappy couples, Gottman has found, that they tend to engage in fewer positive interactions and when the ratio becomes one-to-one, and when it's one negative uh, interaction with one negative positive interaction or less, that becomes a very good indication that the marriage is teetering on divorce. So it sounds pretty easy, right? Five positive interactions to one? Yes and no. You see, when we are aware of the relationship dynamics that are at play, it isn't all that difficult, but there are particular things that we have to watch out for. And if we don't, if we miss on these things, they can really hurt our relationship. Specifically, there are four negative interactions that we have to be aware of. Otherwise, it can really hurt our relationship. And Gottman refers to these four as the four horsemen. A biblical reference to Revelation chapter 6, where there are four horsemen representing famine, plague, conquest, and death that usher the apocalypse, usher the end of times. Now, negative interactions are normal in relationships. And so this morning, I don't want you to hear that we shouldn't have any negative relationships because if you don't experience any conflict in your relationship, you're doing something wrong. Living with each other, knowing each other, we know the best things about one another. We know the worst things about each other. We know how to comfort one another. We know how to get under each, other, under each other's skin. And so again, if you don't experience conflict in your relationship, something mean there's something wrong because again you haven't dug deep enough to feel comfortable to show conflict and so again don't hear that there shouldn't be any conflict conflict is normal you should expect it but again you have to watch out for these four specifically these four are criticism contempt defensiveness and stonewalling 
though dangerous to relationships, they each have an antidote when we experience them so that we can figure out what to do. So if you're ready, let's explore what these four are. And so the first is criticism. Criticism is a personal attack about your, your partner's character. Criticism targets their being and exposes them as a flaw. It's different from a complaint because when you complain about something, oftentimes that complaint can be about a behavior. But when you, tar- when you uh, criticize someone, it's, it's about the person. Criticism can sound like this. And so if someone, if a partner is giving criticism to their, their partner, this is what it can sound like. You never help out with the kids. You never help out with the housework. Often, the criticism that we might experience, that we might receive, are exaggerated you statements. They target the person that you're talking to. It's the you never, you always, you constantly. These exaggerated statements are harsh absolutes that attack our partners, making them feel less than. Criticism can also show up with the you should have statements. You should have known. You should have listened. You should have done this. You should have done that. These statements can cause your partner to feel judged, suggesting that there's something wrong with them for not knowing. Now, thankfully, the antidote to criticism is this. The solution is to avoid the you statements. And so don't say you. Instead, use I statements, expressing how you feel, share what it is you need. And so instead of saying, you never help with the kids, you never help out with the housework, you can say, I feel overwhelmed about caring for the kids and doing the housework. I need more help from you. Gottman refers, this to as, refers to this as a soft or a gentle startup, and it follows this formula. So I feel, and then fill in the blank with an emotion word, how you feel. I feel emotion word about what the issue is, and I need, what is it that you need? So again, the formula is I feel emotion word, about the issue, and I need, fill in the blank of what you need. Now, if you need some help to figure out if, if, you, do, if you do experience soft, this, this, this soft startup or if you have harsh startups, in the back of the bulletin, there's a questionnaire about harsh, startup question, uh, harsh startups. And so after service today, if you want to take that, uh, after you, you, you answer the true or false, one point for each true answer, uh, if you get three or more, this is an area of growth in your relationship. It means that you don't have a gentle startup. You don't, you don't approach uh, criticism or, or conflict with a gentle startup. And so feel free to take that once, once, um, once uh, the sermon or service is over. And so we've got a helpful tool there for you. It's really important, again, to use this formula and use an emotion describing how you feel. This allows you to be vulnerable by expressing what is happening internally, what's happening inside you, so that you can inform your partner of what you need. And vulnerability, research has has found that vulnerability, when you are vulnerable, it creates connection. Now, if you can stop criticism, if you can stop this first horseman right here from becoming habitual uh, in your relationship, you can save yourself from a lot of hurt. But left unresolved, it leads to the second horseman, which is contempt. Contempt is considered to be the worst horseman of the four. It's the number one predictor of divorce. Contempt is, de- is, destructive, uh, is a destructive behavior in the relationship because it shows up 
when someone is just downright disrespectful in the relationship. Uh, it's someone being disapproval, being mean, it's mocking, it's name-calling, it's mimicking their partner. Even body language can show contempt, like the side eyes or the eye rolls that, to the comments that you disagree with. Contempt conveys to your partner that you are superior over them, that you are better than them, that they are lesser than you. Contempt is often fueled by a long-simmering um, experience of negative thoughts in, uh, about your partner. It's destructive because when your partner realizes that they are disgusted with you, or, or that if when they're when when the partner the person knows that they're just that they, their partner feels disgusted about them, they don't want to resolve conflict. It's kind of like what's the point? Like if 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 I'm disgusting, what's the point? So contempt can be really dangerous. It is really dangerous to relationships. But the way to fight against contempt is this. The antidote to contempt is this: build a culture of appreciation and respect. Build a culture of appreciation and respect. You can do this by regularly expressing appreciation. Express your gratitude. Say thank you and be affectionate. You can offer daily gestures of physical affection that demonstrate your affection and your appreciation to your partner, like a kiss, a hug. You can hold their hand. You can strike up, strike up a conversation or say thank you to each other. Now, if you're stuck in contempt and it's hard for you to get here, you can take a step back and you can just simply think about the happy moments that you've had in your relationship, the moments that you've enjoyed, the moments that, you, that, that, that have been wonderful. And when you think of those moments, take time to share with your partner about those moments. It helps you reconnect so that you can take uh, that first step into showing appreciation, showing affection, showing gratitude to, to one another. You can also share about the tough times that you've overcome, the perseverance, the unity that you've experienced. That can help build a sense of solidarity that creates a positive perspective on your relationship. Similar to the first horseman left unresolved, it'll lead you to experience the next horseman, which is defensiveness. Defensiveness is typically a response to criticism, the first horseman. We all get defensive when we feel attacked, when we get angry. So again, it's really normal to feel defensive. But Gottman differentiates this horseman a bit different, that this defensiveness is more of an innocent victimhood. And so when a relationship is unhealthy, when there's a lot of criticism, uh, this is what innocent victimhood could look like. And so when a partner receives complaint, when they receive criticism, they will act as an innocent victim. They turn the table by becoming defensive and then take no responsibility for what's happening and blame the other partner for the issue. And so defensiveness can sound something like this. And so we get partner A coming in. You know, there's a, there's a, they plan to go over to, to one of the parents' house to, uh, for dinner. And so this is what partner A can come in saying. Hey, did you call your parents to let them know we're not coming tonight as you promised this morning? So that's partner A just asking a question like, did you let your parents know we, you know, we can't make it? And then the defensiveness shows up in partner B. I was too busy today. You know how busy my schedule is. Why didn't you just do it? So notice how partner B, again, becomes really defensive, is the innocent victim, again, doesn't take any responsibility. It builds no resolution because it then turns into a blame game where conflict just simply escalates. And so the solution to defensiveness, take responsibility. If you receive a complaint, accept the part that you are responsible for. You don't have to accept everything. 
You don't have to be a terrible monk song and accept the whole, the whole reason why the relationship fails is me and I'm going to take the blame. Again, take responsibility for what went wrong. This helps you and your partner become a team so that you can work through the problem. Now, if none of these horsemen are resolved, none of these three horsemen are resolved, if, if we experience all of these negative interactions with our partner, um, with the people that we care for, the people that we're in relationship with, we get to the last horseman, which is stonewalling. Stonewalling is a response someone resorts to when they excessively experience all of these behaviors, all these negative interactions. It's also a specific response to contempt. Stonewalling is when one person just simply com- is is when one person just completely withdraws from the interaction. They might become unresponsive. They might become avoidant. They might turn their face away when their partner tries to get their attention. They'll shut down. They'll stop responding because they are emotionally overwhelmed. Gottman calls this flooding, and flooding can have sensations of like falling down a deep hole uh, filled with anger, hurt, panic, fear. One of those uh, behaviors, maybe all of those behaviors, maybe a combination of all those behaviors. It can feel like being backed in a corner. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere, but you create this invisible barrier between you and your partner so that you can protect yourself. This can also cause an involuntary response where the overwhelmed person can react by fighting, fighting, escaping, freezing. It's a survival instinct. And so over time, stonewalling, although, again, we can experience the flooding, the emotional over, over, being over, emotionally overwhelmed, it can also become a habit. And when this happens, it's impossible to continue on with the conversation. In the back, there's a flooding questionnaire. And so, again, if you answer the questions, four more um, true answer means that this is an area of growth in a relationship. And so feel free to take that to see if you experience flooding in a relationship. Again, when flooding happens, it's impossible to continue the conversation because if you try, you're probably going to eventually experience a similar level of frustration causing you to want to check out as well too. With stonewalling, there's some things that we have to be aware of, some specific dynamics that to be aware of. Gottman found that 85% of stonewallers are men. And so the majority of men are stonewallers. Now, unfortunately, men, as we stonewall, it causes uh, the women in our lives to feel even more upset. It increases their heart rate. It intensifies their pursuit of trying to figure out the issue. And so, again, you know, when we stonewall, Our Lady gets fed up with us, they'll stonewall as well too. And so the solution to stonewall, take a break. Take a break. When you experience stonewalling, when you are emotionally overwhelmed, when you feel tension, when you can't think of what to do, request to take a break for at least 20 minutes and find a way to calm yourself down. Think of something or someone that makes you feel calm and safe. Focus on your breath. Oftentimes when we're flooded, when we are emotionally overwhelmed, our breaths are really shallow. Pay attention to how you inhale and exhale. And I try to get to a point where my exhales are much longer than my inhales. That helps 
uh, our whole brain to operate again because when we are stressed, when we are uh, experience a lot of tension, uh, only our uh, part of our brain where it causes us to just simply survive operates. And so when we get air back into our system, it allows our entire brain to, to operate again. And so again, try to get to a point where you're exhaling longer than your inhale. Stretch parts of your body that feels tense, feels uncomfortable. Do something soothing, maybe even something distracting, like take a walk, uh, take a walk around the block, maybe listen to music, maybe read a book. Now, in taking a break, you have to return to the conversation. You can't just take a break and not talk about it. Take a break, come back to the conversation, and you'll find yourself that you'll come back more respectfully, coming back to the conversation more respectfully and more rationally. Agree to take another break if needed. With stonewalling, pay attention to how this shows up in your body. Oftentimes when we experience conflict, when it gets really tense, the stress that we feel, the emotional over, uh, feeling emotional overwhelm that we feel, sometimes that shows up in our body. And so notice if you feel tension in your shoulders, if you feel tension in your stomach, if you feel tension in your legs. If you notice that, that's a good sign to take a break. So those are the four horsemen, the four negative interactions that we have to watch out for in our relationship. And while it's important to be aware of these negative experiences, Gottman's research shows us that we have to be aware of the positive interactions too. Like I mentioned, the magic ratio is five to one. And so again, these four are the big ones that we have to look out for. We also have to be aware of the five positive interactions that we feed into our relationships uh, to this one negative interaction. And so what are some positive interactions that you can demonstrate? Here's a quick list of things that you can do. And a little later, after the ser- uh, towards the end of the sermon here, I'm going to invite you to write some things that you can do to show uh, positive interactions to your partner, to your child, to your friend, to your um, spouse, whoever it is. And so here's a list of positive interactions that you can engage in. Be interested in your partner. Show interest in your partner. So what does that look like? Listen to them. Be interested in what they're talking about. And so when they're talking about something, ask an open-ended question. Demonstrate your interest in them with nonverbal communication, like nods and eye contact when it's appropriate. Express physical uh, affection, kiss, hug, hold hands, high five, fist bump, whatever it may be. Research has shown that, again, physical affection can reduce stress levels and tension. Demonstrate that they matter. Consider this motto that that you do small things often. Find small ways to demonstrate that you care for your partner. Show your partner that they and their interests are important. Show intentional appreciation. When you think of good times, verbally express your appreciation to your partner with compliments. Compliment them on their traits. Compliment them on personality, uh, the personality parts of their personality that are pleasing to you. Find opportunities for agreement. And so even when you experience conflict, find something that you can agree on to validate your spouse's viewpoint. Again, you don't have to agree about everything, but can you agree on something to validate your spouse's viewpoint? By validating their viewpoint or a part of the viewpoint, it shows that you care for them. Finding things to agree on builds an alliance that shifts how you fight. Empathize and apologize. Empathy is one of the deepest forms of human connection. 
empathy shows that you understand uh, and that you feel what your partner's feeling. Even if you express empathy non-verbally, through your gestures, through your eye contact, um, to match what it is that they're feeling. It helps your partner feel like you're both on the same team. You can never have too much empathy in a relationship, and so you can default on being empathetic. Accept your partner's perspective. Understand that each perspective is valid, even if they oppose each other. You can disagree with their perspective, but let them know that their perspective makes sense. It demonstrates respect. Summarize your spouse's experience, even if, again, you don't agree. Validation doesn't mean you have to agree, but again, it means that they have a valid point and you agree with their perspective. And then lastly, be playful with each other. Make jokes that still maintain respect and appreciation for each other. Tease each other. Be silly. Laugh. Have fun. Inside jokes can highlight the unique exclusivity that you have in your relationship. And so again, for every one negative interaction, you need five or more of these positive interactions to experience a stable and happy relationship. If it helps, keep track of your interactions. Maybe whenever you experience negative interactions, because those are a whole lot easier to remember, follow up with five or more positive reactions. Find a way to keep tally in your notebook. Find a way to keep a tally maybe in your phone. This is the magic ratio to relationships. This is the one thing that we can be aware of to be uh, a good friend in our relationships and not a bad friend. Now, while Gottman calls it magic, we know it really isn't because it's backed by a ton of scientific research. And what's great is that we find these concepts in the Bible too. Earlier when Choi read Ephesians chapter 4 uh, and chapter 5, the passage that we read talked about these things. I'm going to read it for us again, and so feel free to follow along uh, on screen here. This is what it says. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former ways of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new with the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, 
rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave up himself, gave up himself for us, uh, for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The whole book of Ephesians is focused on what Jesus Christ has done for us, and it, then it primarily focuses on how He has united us together because of the thing, of, because of His resurrection. He has brought people together who experience hostility with one another because of their different religions, their ethnicities, and even their values. And their hostility, he has turned into peace and has united them under his death and resurrection. In this particular passage that we read, Paul reminds the believers that they are no longer stuck in their old ways of thinking, where they overindulge in selfish desires. That's all about me. Paul points out that before they believed in Jesus Christ, they engaged in excessive sexual pleasures that only benefited them. That they engaged in, in, in greed that only benefited them, no one else. He encouraged the church of Ephesus to turn away from being selfish and instead of focusing on them, focus on others. And so they are to speak truthfully to their neighbors. They are to reconcile with whoever they are angry with before the, the sun sets. They are to stop stealing for themselves, but instead they're supposed to do something useful to benefit others in need. They aren't supposed to gossip or talk behind others that destroy other people's reputation, but they are to build each other up with their words. Instead of being bitter, instead of being filled with rage and angry, Paul tells them to be kind. Paul tells them to be compassionate. And Paul tells them to forgive each other. And what's unique and what's awesome about what Paul tells us from the biblical perspective is that the source that allows us to do all of these things comes from the Holy Spirit. That it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do all these things. Paul reminds us that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit, meaning we shouldn't do anything to make the Holy Spirit sad. If you've ever felt a sense of sadness, something has happened to you that has impacted, has gone against your values. Same way, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we are doing something against the Holy Spirit. We are doing something against the Holy Spirit, the values that He represents, the, the, the values that, that, that make up who He is. And so it's the Holy Spirit who leads us to do these things. And if we need further encouragement on how we should treat others, Paul encourages us to look to Jesus' example of how he loved us and how he sacrificed himself for us. Christ allows us to shift our desires from me to others. And so we can look to him to help us do that. Similarly, Gottman's ratio is a shift from me to my partner. And so we see this morning that scientifically, biblically, we're to live lives that make us better friends to others, especially in our marriages. And so as I close, I'd mention that I want you to write some things down. And so 
feel free to take out your phone if you've got a note-taking app on your phone. If you don't want you know, take, no, uh, take notes on your phone, you can grab a card in front of you and a pen in front of you. And I want you to engage in this exercise here with me. Think of someone who you want to have a stable and happy relationship with. Could be a friend, could be your chil- children, child children, could be uh, your boss, it could be a fiancé, could be someone that you're married to, could be, again, someone that you want to have a stable and happy relationship with. Don't think too hard. Just the first person that comes to mind. Now, I'm going to run through the list of positive interactions that I had mentioned earlier. And I want you to write down the first thing that comes to your mind of what you can do, what positive interaction that you can take um, that comes to your mind. Again, don't think too hard. And so, first thing, what can you do to show them that you are interested in them? What can you do to show them that you are interested in them? Go ahead and write something down, showing interest to the person that you want to have a happy and stable relationship with. Next question, what is a way of physical affection? What is a physical affection thing that you can do to show them that you care for them? Can it be a hug, a kiss, can you hold their hand? Fish bump, high five. What is one, one thing that you can do to show them physical affection? Next question. What can you do to show them that they matter? What is one thing that you can do to show them that they matter? Next one here. Think of one thing that you appreciate about them. When's the next time you can tell them? What's one thing that you appreciate and when's the next time you can tell them? Next question. What's one thing that they have said about you that you can agree with? What's one thing they've said about you that you can agree with? And this could be something that either you agree or disagree with, but again, or or something that you like or you don't like that they've said. But again, what have they said that you like or don't like that you can agree with? This one's not going to be a question. Just write it down. Be empathetic. Just be empathetic. And then we'll end it here. Can you find ways to have fun with each other? Or what can you do to have fun with each other? Let's do that. What can you do to have fun with each other? First thing that comes to your mind. And I hope this is a start to the five positive interactions that you can have with your spouse, someone that maybe you're engaged to, friend, your children, someone that you care for, someone that you want to experience a stable and happy relationship with. And if you don't have five, again, I encourage you to work on 
on finding five things that you can do with whoever it is that, that you want to experience a healthy relationship with. Again, it's not all that hard, but we do have to be intentional about it. Paul tells us in Ephesians to put off our old self and to put on our new self. It's the idea of wearing clothes that this morning many of us probably took into some consideration of what we were going to wear. Some of us just got dressed with whatever was available. But again, it's the intention that we put some thought into it. And so may you continue to put thought into your relationship and feed into it with the magic ratio and what Ephesians tells us. Let me pray for us.